evidence and answers. How do we respect transgender people while not supporting their sin? Should we use their preferred names or pronouns? Is being bisexual or homosexual a sin if I don't engage in sexual activity? Why is sex before marriage wrong? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we're continuing on with a message that was taken from our 2020 Evian Youth Apologetics Conference. Annually, Pat brings in guest speakers from all over to teach and equip the youth of today. Now, let's listen as Pat answers some of these challenging questions. Here in part six of this series, Tough Questions Teens Ask. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, one of the most favorite times at our Youth Apologetics Conference is the question and answer session. Here, teens can ask any kind of questions they want to the panel of speakers, and the speakers, you know, are kind of on the spot there answering the questions. And at every conference, you know, when we see the evaluations, youth and the adults often write, we wish the question and answer time could have been longer. And so, of course, we're not able to answer all the questions that arise. We get nearly 100 questions at our conferences. And so I took many of the questions that we were not able to answer and put them in a few categories. Questions regarding Christian apologetics, the Bible, evangelism, sexuality, and teen issues. And so today we're dealing with questions that were asked about sexuality. All right. So we're going to address some Hot issues here as we address this category. So let's begin. Number one is how do we respect transgender people while not supporting their sin? Do we use their preferred names or pronouns? Well, when you're building relationships with transgendered people, I would use whatever pronoun they want. Okay, I wouldn't make it a big deal as you are building relationships with them. Don't let that stand in the way as you're building relationships. Now, as you build your relationship, your friendship, and you begin to build trust with that person, now you can address the issue, all right? But remember, the transgender issue does not define that person. They are made in the image of God first. And so you wanna love that person because they're created in the image of God. Then as you get to know them and you develop that respect and trust, then at an opportune time, you can address the issue. And the most loving thing you can do is to present truth to someone who is living a lie, all right? That is the most loving thing you can do, okay? If someone is addicted to a dangerous drug, let's say meth, the most loving thing I can do is not to tolerate it and support them in their habit. The most loving thing I'm gonna do is address that issue and try to get them to change from that dangerous lifestyle to a healthy lifestyle. Now, when it comes to the transgender issue, that is a mental illness in all psychology and psychiatry books now. It is a mental illness. Someone that is not comfortable in their physical body, the most loving thing to do is not to get them to make the gender change and start going under gender transformation. 
the most loving thing you can do is to get them to accept the truth of who God created them to be. In the Bible, there's only two genders, male and female, all right? And truth is not what we create in our mind. The definition of truth is truth is what corresponds to reality. It matches the facts, all right? And if you look in the mirror, you have female parts or do you have male parts? If you have male parts, you're a male. That's the reality of it. And if you're not comfortable in the particular physical body you have, then we need to get you to accept the truth of who God created you to be and to move you into that direction. The most unhealthy thing we can do is to reject the truth of who God created you to be and do a gender transformation of who you are not. All right. And we are discovering that our gender, our sex, male or female, goes all the way down to our chromosomes. You simply cannot change the outside and suddenly you get a male turning into a female. No, all you get is a feminized male or a more masculine female. I mean, it goes all the way down to our chemistry, to our DNA, all right? So you simply just can't change the outside. And numerous studies have shown, you know, listen to my radio show on the transgender debate. Numerous studies are showing that people aren't happier They still suffer from depression. The fact that they are uncomfortable in the body that they are in shows that there's numerous other psychological issues that are there as well. And so instead of allowing someone to go into and live out what is false, the most loving thing you can do is to steer them to the truth and get them to live out the truth that is there. Right? For example, I can believe all I want that I can fly. I can sincerely believe that I can fly. But if I go jumping out of a 10-story window, all right, I'm going to be really hurting. Okay, I need to accept the facts of reality. I don't create reality in my mind and say, well, I can fly. That's what drugs do. All right? Instead, I accept the reality of the facts that are there. I don't have wings and I cannot fly. Therefore, as much as I want to fly, as much as I want to be like a bird or Superman, I have to accept the facts of reality and I adjust to the facts. All right. I don't create my reality. I look at the real world and how it is. Truth is what corresponds to reality. I look at reality and I adjust accordingly. Okay. And reality shows I can't fly. And so I don't jump out of a 10-story window. Same thing here. What does reality show? Well, it shows I've got male parts or I've got female parts. Therefore, I am male or I am female. All right. If I'm not comfortable in it, I'm going to have to accept that and adjust to it. And a lot of studies are showing, 90% and higher, that teens who struggle with this transgender issue, teens that struggle with it, just give them some time. In a few years, as they get through puberty and the uh, mass chemical changes that are occurring in the body, they eventually adjust and they become comfortable with who they are. But if instead at the teen level now, we start doing this gender transformation and we start moving them in a direction, we're moving them in a dangerous and false direction. So the most loving thing you can do is to preach and share truth in a loving and humble way 
and steer young people who are struggling with their gender, steer them towards the truth and to accept who God has made them. That's not unloving at all. Moving someone away from falsehood towards truth is the most loving thing that you can do. Uh, the next question is related to that. How do we love LGBT people while not supporting their sin they see as their identity? You know, once again, homosexuality, transgenderism it is not their identity. Their identity is that they're created in the image of God. All right. And once again, the most loving thing you can do is to, in a loving and humble way, present truth and steer people towards the truth. If someone's living in a very dangerous lifestyle, then the most loving thing we can do is to get them out of that lifestyle towards a healthier lifestyle, which is always, you know, in obedience to God's word. And homosexuality, we know, is a very dangerous lifestyle, all right? I mean, the mortality rates in the gay community is extremely high. And, you know, let's face it, okay, the human body isn't meant for homosexual sexual activity. I mean, let's be frank here. The anal cavity is a one-way street. It's not meant to receive things. There's tremendous damage, okay, when its body parts are not used properly. And so it's a very dangerous lifestyle. The promiscuity rate in the gay community is extremely high. It's a very dangerous lifestyle. And so the most loving thing we can do is not to encourage people to continue in what is false and a dangerous lifestyle, but to present truth and move them towards the truth and obedience to God's word in a lifestyle that will be much healthier and bring much more joy. Next question is related to that. Is being bisexual or gay a sin if it isn't lustful? Can you be a gay Christian? Now, it depends on, you know, what this person means by gay Christian, but I'm going to say, yes, you can. Now, let me explain, all right? As Christians, we struggle with sin, and it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. So it's not wrong to struggle with sin. Some of us struggle with anger. Some of us struggle with alcoholism. Some of us struggle with gossip. Some of us struggle with lying, all right? It's not wrong to struggle with sin. And there are some who may struggle with homosexual tendencies. But to be tempted by that is not wrong. Now, to act it out then, that then would be sin. Jesus said, if a man lusts after a woman, he has committed adultery in his heart. Now, the word lust after there does not mean, you know, cast a glancing look. You know, it doesn't mean when you see a good looking man or woman, you say, oh, what a, what a nice looking person, a nice looking woman. All right. What Jesus was talking about there is to lust after, to crave, to desire. It's when the thoughts occupy your heart and your mind constantly. That's what he's talking about. So it's not a sin to struggle with it. And through Christ, we can overcome sin. So there are Christians I know who struggle with it. They get tempted, just like we do with other sins, all right? But we don't want it to occupy us and eventually act upon it. That would be sin. Next question is, is homosexuality a sin if you're born that way? Well, first of all, there's no conclusive study. Uh, listen to my shows on homosexuality, all right? There's no conclusive study that shows anyone's born that way. We have not discovered the gay gene. 
And even if we could, let's just say we discovered the gay gene or we discovered conclusively people are born gay. Once again, that's a dangerous lifestyle. Is that a lifestyle you want to continue to promote or do you want to steer someone towards a healthier lifestyle and obedience to God's word? For example, there are children born addicted to cocaine. If their parents were addicted to cocaine, they get cocaine babies, babies addicted to cocaine. What do we do? Do we encourage them to take cocaine? No, we do everything we can to steer them to rehabilitate them to a more healthier lifestyle. Okay, so there's no conclusive evidence that people are born gay. Now, is it a sin? Yes, it's quite clear in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin. Romans chapter 1 is one of the clearest on that. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So Romans chapter 1 is one of the clearest on this. Paul says natural relations, men with women, unnatural relations, men with men, women with women. And so that's one of the clearest passages there, that homosexuality is indeed a sin. And it is, like I said, a very dangerous lifestyle. And the most loving thing you can do is to turn someone away from the falsehood of sin and the dangers of a lifestyle of sin and turn them towards the truth of God's word and living according to God's truth. That's where they'll find the most peace and the most joy. Uh, next question here is, what do I say to someone who tells me that they are gay or lesbian? Well, you notice a lot of the questions here when it comes to sexuality have to do with the gender issue and homosexuality. Now, that's a tremendous problem that teens are struggling with today. 20 years ago, there weren't too many teens struggling with this issue or they weren't making it known. Now you can see it's a very big issue because in our public educational system and what the culture is teaching with the redefining of marriage, the legalizing of gay marriage, you know, the culture is pushing on our teens saying that homosexuality is a natural lifestyle, an acceptable lifestyle. It's being really shoved down our throats there from the media, from education, from the culture that is out there. And so you can see our teens are really struggling with this particular issue. What do you say to a friend who says, I'm gay or I'm lesbian? Well, often what I do, and it's really prevalent now, you know, when I speak at Christian conferences throughout the world, I really need to be careful because there's probably several teens in my audience who are struggling with homosexuality. And so when they come up to me, you know, at the end of the session and say, well, you know, I believe I'm gay. You know, the question I ask them is, what makes you think you're gay? And many times they really haven't thought about it before. But some of them, many of them will give the answer. Well, I don't like basketball. I don't like sports. I like music. I like art. Okay, well, that doesn't mean you're gay, all right? It means you're an artsy guy. doesn't mean you're gay, okay? Or a girl will say, you know, I like soccer. I like competing against the boys, you know, in basketball or baseball. Okay, that doesn't mean you're a lesbian, okay? That just means you're a very athletic girl. Many guys will say, well, I'm, I'm just not attracted to girls. Okay, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. In fact, you may be what the Bible calls a eunuch, 
All right. For example, Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 19, verse 11, he says, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what Jesus was saying is that there are some, you know, who devoted themselves fully to God, do not have the desire to get married so they can serve God fully, wholeheartedly, you know, and dedicate their lives to him. And so guys I talk to say, well, I'm not attracted to a girl. Well, keep yourself sexually pure then. Perhaps God created you for the very purpose of using you wholeheartedly in service to him, whatever it may be, as a politician, as a scientist, as a teacher, as someone in full-time ministry, uh, who knows? But, you know, Paul talks about single men in First Corinthians, how they can dedicate their whole lives to serving the Lord without distraction. And so perhaps you're in that particular category. If someone says, well, I'm attracted to men, then I say, well, okay, that is a sinful temptation and sinful temptations are something that we all struggle with. I struggle with anger. There are others who struggle with lying or gossip. All right. It's not wrong to be tempted. It's wrong to let it consume you and then take action upon it. Right. So I exhort men and women who struggle with being attracted to the same sex to refrain from acting it out and to remain sexually pure. And you know, you know what happens a lot when I notice with youth, you know, once they get through adolescence and puberty, a lot of them are able to work through the issue and they come out fine. Okay? So a lot of times if they keep themselves sexually pure, you know, eventually when they get through those years of puberty and adolescence, they end up really becoming comfortable with who God created them to be. Next question here has to do with cohabitation. Is it wrong for two people who love one another to live together before they are married? The answer is yes. If you really love one another, then you'd be fully committed to one another and you would enter into a marriage relationship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. In the Bible, there's only one place where sex is allowed, and that's in the context of marriage. Okay, And there's many reasons why that numerous, numerous surveys show that, well, your virginity, young people, is one of the greatest gifts that you are going to give to your partner, you know, and it's going to be a great day when on marriage you can say, I remain sexually pure and waited for you. That's one of the greatest gifts that you're going to give to your future partner. And listen to my radio show on cohabitation. Numerous, numerous studies show that those who live together before they are married have much less fulfilling marriages and a much, much higher rate of discontent and divorce all right there's numerous numerous studies on that and you know there's several reasons why cohabitation is built on the opposite foundation of marriage in marriage what you need is commitment that says good bad or ugly i'm here all the way with you all right 
no matter what happens, we're going to work this thing out together. Marriage is built on commitment to one another. Cohabitation is built on having no binding commitment, right? We're going to try this out. And hey, if I don't like it, I'm out of here. Well, that doesn't make a good foundation for marriage. And, you know, research has shown those who cohabit view marriage negatively because it raises new responsibility versus the freedom that they crave when living together. Couples that live together want to have all the benefits of marriage without the responsibility or commitment of marriage and cohabitating people feel trapped when they enter into marriage. You know, in contrast, for people who don't live together, marriage is the culmination, the highlight of their relationship. Marriage allows them to reach the full depth of a relationship that they have long anticipated. And so we can see the mindset, the foundation is very different to make a long-lasting, healthy marriage. You know, people who live together, I mean, surveys show they have a harder time working out problems. Since there's no long-term commitment, you know, there's really no compelling desire to work things out. And in cohabitation, you know, if we can't work something out, eh, I'll just leave. I'll go find someone else to live with. Now, you bring that kind of commitment into a marriage, it just carries over. If we have a tough time in marriage, oh, divorce and I'll go find someone else. Many feel it's easier to move on to a less contentious relationship than to work for years to work something out compared to those who don't live together and come into a marriage saying, I am fully committed to you. I'll be here with you, good, bad, and ugly. We're going to work it out. When they come to a difficulty, even if it takes years, they work at it, work at it, work at it, and, and you know they come into that mentality saying, no matter what, love endures. Love perseveres all things, hopes all things, 1 Corinthians 13. And they're committed to one another, and they work it out. And when they work it out, it becomes a stronger relationship here. As both people make changes in their life, sacrifice for one another, and their character is refined and they become more like Christ, all right? But it comes in with that kind of commitment. People who wait before they are married come in saying, we're in this together to the end. And they look for every reason to work things out in every way they can to work things out. Whereas those who cohabit come into the mindset, you know, if I don't like it, I'm going to leave. And often they're looking, you know, when things go bad, they look for reasons to get out of the relationship for every excuse why they should get out of that relationship. Whereas those who are completely committed will look for every way they can to work things out. So that's why cohabitation, try before you buy, doesn't work. May work with cars, but human beings are not cars. When there's emotional attachment there and physical and eventually spiritual attachment there, it's uh, tremendously hurtful okay, when someone else or that relationship comes to an end. Human beings are not like cars, okay? So this try before you buy idea, though it may be popular in the culture, goes contrary to God's word and it's tremendously hurtful, right? Therefore, that's why God does not permit cohabitation. Sex is allowed only in one context, two people completely committed to one another. That's the safest and part where it's most joyous is when people are in a fully committed relationship with one another. 
Well, that brings us an end to this particular section. We are addressing some of the tough questions teens ask about sexuality. And as you can see, teens really struggle with the issue of gender and homosexuality and premarital sex. And they're steeped in a culture that is teaching, when it comes to sexuality, teaching principles contrary to the Word of God. So we really need to support our teens in prayer. Parents and, you know, youth leaders, I exhort you to address these issues with your teenagers, you know, head on, because if you don't, the only messages they're going to get is from the culture. And as you can see, the culture is steeped in an ideology contrary to God's Word. And young people, you know, I exhort you uh, to have friends who walk with God who share the values of God's word and going to encourage you to stay on course, living out the truths of God's word. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church Bible study or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483 483- 0586 or you may contact them through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You will find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to look around our website and share it with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Yeah.